Hey, hey, welcome to the first ever episode of Iron, the Iron and Soul podcast. Um, interesting times here. Um, we are in the middle of the apocalypse. And so my first guest, since we are um, doing physical distancing, because um, we're, we're actually physically probably six feet apart at this moment, um, instead of social distancing, because we're doing a social podcast here and having conversations, is my beautiful and lovely wife, Jill Reese. Um, before she starts talking, I'll give a little um, introduction to her, uh, what, who she is and what she does. She is a um, clinical therapist with um, Reese Counseling and Consulting, um, soon to be something else, but we'll allow her to uh, talk about that a little bit. And we're just going to start having a conversation. Um, I was I was planning on doing this a little more formally um, down the road, but I thought, why not do this during the apocalypse? So here we go. Episode um, one of Iron Soul Consult or Iron Soul podcast with Josh and Jill. Welcome. Thanks, wifey. Joshua. Thanks for having me. I'm yeah. so honored to be the first guest. First guest. And your first wife. And my first <laughs> wife. Second wife was unavailable. Second wife was and unavailable. And for, for the, the rest of the public out there, the apocalypse is currently March 26th of 2020. March 26th of 2020. Thank you for putting the date out there. Because Absolutely. Yes, let's timestamp this. Let's timestamp this because this will be coming out in uh, not tomorrow. It's the beginning of the end of days. Beginning we of the end of days. We want to know when that started. Yep. Started on. Well, does the podcast I know. make what it are we the end of the days? What are we counting from her? Because what? The, I'm using air quotes. Shelter at home. Shelter at home. And Lawrence are we started. At shelter? We're not shelter in place. We're stay at home. Lockdown. We're shelter at home. Started three days ago. Tuesday, which would have been. The I don't even know what day it is. 24. Because that's what happens when Thursday. you're in the apocalypse. When you're in the apocalypse, you don't even know what day it is. <laughs> but schools shut down, what, two days ago? Or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Start back up online on. Monday the Monday, 30th. Monday the 30th, yeah. Strange days around here, people. Strange yeah. days. It's really interesting in the sense of the lockdown. Well, they wanted people to... Um, Coffee. We like um, to humorfully call it the lockdown. The lockdown. The lockdown is what the what the uh, county calls it. We're not at lockdown. We're at the office. We're at the office. <laughs> we are essential. Thank God. Um, we're part of the essential um, needs. But what was really interesting in the in the days before the lockdown was that downtown and Lawrence was was sparse. Um, people were Very still staying. Empty. Very empty. People were still staying at home, and now the lockdown's happening. And they're everywhere. And people are everywhere. <laughs> not, the, not. the restaurants, just to orient you, the restaurants and the bars closed a week and a half ago, probably, which store like which for our main care. downtown is 90 percent of the businesses, mm -hmm. I would say. Yep. There's and, retail and yeah. as well. But. but yeah, so it was really empty in this area of Lawrence. And now that we're officially on, quote, stay at home orders. People are out and about. Oh. <laughs> They're walking around. I went to, I stopped by the grocery store um, to grab us some coffee before we ca I came into work. And um, the actually Dylan's was less populated than normal. I was pretty impressed that the parking lot was not full. Um, nice. Yeah. I was reading um, an email from one of our son's teachers in this day and age, because everything's transitioning to online for our children. And he made an interesting point around asking the kids to start to journal because they're live witnesses to an 
unprecedented point in time. And it will be really interesting to have their perspectives as 13 year olds on what is happening in the world. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Because for so this us, is kind of giving witness to that as well. This yeah, podcast at this moment. Yeah, they may they may live through something again, similar to this. But I don't know if you and I will ever live through something like Let's this again. This is this one the first time. the first time. <laughs> well, that article you sent me gave me a lot of hope. I know I'm going to pass that on. Yeah, I did, I'm a... going to find a way to put that on social media, too. I was really pleased to receive an article from some colleagues and others out there in the world that is actually valid and evidence-based and really honing in on let's look at facts and decrease hysteria. So I'm going to try to find a way to continue to disseminate that out there. So how are you decreasing your own hysteria in all of this? You tend to be a little more when it comes to this stuff than, than me kind of like I noticed like the weeks, a couple of weeks ago, you started kind of getting a little more anxious about like once it started coming out a little bit more and a little more heightened than I. So I think I'm thinking, I'm thinking in my head, Josh says I have to keep talking, so I'll narrate it. Um, I, the biggest challenge for me in the past couple of weeks has been actually being in the grocery stores. I don't, it's really uncomfortable to see what I feel is panic in the public in that way. When we have been in the grocery stores in our town, in our community, the shelves are empty, people are out, you can't get the things that you're used to getting, and that I think automatically creates a heightened sense, which is really palatable when you're there. In the environment. Um, I think that's the least enjoyable piece for me around all of this is feeling is the scarcity. I think the hysteria and the panic and the media are playing into this idea of scarcity, which is not accurate nor effective for most of us, but it's really hard to quiet that feeling I think for a lot of people once we start to think I can't get my fucking toilet paper oh can I cuss on this okay that's all the fuck you want man guess guess what just a side note right now as and I'll let Jill get back to her point here in a second I don't have a fucking boss so I get to the the only boss I have is me and also Jill Jill's my boss on, I am the boss on some things but I don't have a fucking so if boss. you have sensitive ears I guess it's time to tune out yeah time to tune out but in case I don't, you don't know the Reese's we cuss we cuss and um, we like to cuss and it's fun and um, and we use it effectively if we cuss. but but I just have to say I'm excited I don't have a boss <laughs> And we'll never have a boss. Hopefully never have a boss again. Right? Yeah. So um, that said, go ahead. Back to your point. Yeah. I was just commenting on just kind of reflecting over the past few weeks. I, like so many of us, probably don't like the feeling of not being able to get what I feel I need to take care of myself and my family, which, you know, we have lived a privileged and convenient life in, in this community of ours. And I think... This is an incredible perspective shift and not not necessarily an unwelcome one. I have been using the word spoiled um, with my clients and myself, just my my word completely on my perspective of like, fuck, I've 
have a really convenient life in a lot of ways. And there are things I like that are quite luxurious that now I don't get to participate in. And it is okay that I don't get to participate in them. But it is definitely humbling, I think, to just look at kind of the world at this moment. And there's amazing, great things happening too. But to answer Josh's original question of me getting a little heightened a few weeks ago, I think it started in the grocery stores. I don't like to see all that. I don't like to feel the energy of that. It was really unexpected and therefore harder to manage for me. And I'll give you a little perspective on on Jill. And this is not a this is not a dig. We do laugh about it a little bit. She doesn't like the grocery store anyways, <laughs> right? So when you could go to online ordering and then picking it up at the store, but she was in heaven. She awesome. It was awesome for her to There's be able to convenience, convenience. convenience for her because she would spend. She was our grocery shopper, and she would spend, you know, hours going to the to the grocery store from start to finish because of just the way you grocery shop now. Um, where if I'm sent to the grocery store, I spend twice as much money. I come home with <laughs> 20 bags of Oreos and I tell myself I'm not going to do it. So when we went to online, it was super convenient. She could go pick it up. And so then now our first bout at the grocery store was they didn't, they didn't, couldn't fill our order on um, when things started to get a little heightened. So we went and we just, we both noticed how it was crowded. How strange it was. A it was. Night. Thursday night. It was a Thursday, a Thursday night. night. It was so crowded and so, so many people, but so little um, products. Right. The meat was gone. The milk was gone. The eggs were gone. The produce was devastated. The precious fucking toilet paper was gone. Like it was really, I think, hard to visually see. The thing, the thing about the toilet paper is a really <laughs> strange one for me. And everybody says, oh, I don't understand um, the toilet paper thing. And yet there's still no toilet paper. Right, We're like the dodo birds. One job's off and everybody falls. Right. It's, it's exactly. It's really strange because I've, I'll walk through it and I'll see some toilet paper on the shelves and I'll, and I'll actively not buy it because we don't need it. But we right think now. we need it because we think we can't get it. Right. And the reality <laughs> is it's there. I was in the grocery store... I was picking up some odds and ends um, earlier this week, and there was a whole pallet <laughs> and boxes that they were hadn't been. A- the shelf was empty, so people were like, "Oh, it's empty." But I walked down to the to the end, and there was a whole pallet mm-hmm. of toilet paper that people were starting to go through. But it was there; it existed. So it's just an interesting time where people say, "Oh, I don't understand the toilet paper," and yet they still hoard all the toilet paper. Yeah, because I think everybody feels like they're not going to get it. And I also like the thought that, well, fuck, we did something before toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, there are other ways we yeah. are capable of figuring out. I don't know, washcloths, laundry, Kleenex, I mean, paper geez. towels, white like we can we can do this, people. Yeah. I mean I lived in the I lived in the woods um, for months on end and we didn't have toilet paper, so we managed okay. Oh, the toilet paper. Yeah. I hope we can all laugh back. Look back and laugh at that someday. But maybe not. I, th- I think <laughs> at how ridiculous we behaved, all of us. Yeah. I I find it all quite interesting. I did I was, I noticed, excuse me, I noticed myself, um, I don't know, maybe last Thursday, about a week ago, starting to get a little more heightened with, with anxiety about 
kind of what's going on in the world mm-hmm. a little more right. panicky. Not panicky is not the right word, just heightened. And and I don't really like to to go down that road um, myself as it comes to the masses. I've never been mm-hmm. one of those um, follow the masses. I'm going to get heightened as the masses. And I noticed myself doing that. Then I took it took notice of what I was paying attention to and what media I was paying mm-hmm. attention and just looking on the internet to find new, new data, right. new stories, what's going on in the world, what are they doing? And it's right. just constant clickbait, clickbait of somebody saying this and this 10 more cases here and 10 more cases there. Yep. And the reality is that it's, that's not effective use of time. And no, and I've, one of the earliest things I put out to my clients via email and you put out to yours and then we have reinforced in person is to limit your media. Truly, this is a preach of mine before the <laughs> pandemic struck. Um, find a couple reputable sources. Check it twice a day. When we simmer in media all day long, we naturally elevate. There's a world of research to show that, to support that our body is anxious when we are constantly taking in news, 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 social media in addition. So to be really mindful of that is even more necessary in the end of days. Like it just... It will impact us. And no one, I don't think, is immune to the onslaught of media. And let's be honest, people, media is not here for the positivity. This is a, it's a negative. Unfortunately, our primary news sources have become negative and they are fatalistic and catastrophic and they want you to be, I can't remember what the fucking terror level is. What are we, orange or whatever? Orange or whatever. (laughs) That's where they want us. Yeah, they want us. But yeah, we have to do different. And I heard something recently in the last couple of days that the media is the media and newspapers have been taking such a hit from um, Internet and just all of the different things that's happened. But now that this pandemic has happened, that they're eating it up because now people are reading their shit and buying papers and and doing that. So they're so they're just continuing to add to our hysteria by by putting just story after story after even if it's only a paragraph mm-hmm. long some of these things are just like 10 more people in in Osawatomi Kansas got whatever mm-hmm. right and it's all it's all just to well, make you yeah. kind of just and a great example feel. of that is our uh, local newspaper in our city tried to say the first case of COVID in our city when it was actually in a completely other town that this person was tested and showed positive in. But because we have the university here and they are a university student, it was linked to our town. I mean, media is just going to do what they're going to do. Right. They want your attention and headlines. So I think it's okay to drop into the news. I do think everybody could work to be more mindful about the resources they're seeking and how they're bringing that into their daily life yesterday that I wasn't going to even look at the news or mm-hmm. news outside of um, our own community. Yeah. Just because I want I, I'll, I'll look at ours here in town just to see what's going on with the, the lockdown and, and yeah. things that may be essential for us because we live you here. You want to stay informed, but you don't want to simmer in it. Yeah. I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was just kind of spinning out a little bit and that's not my style. And, and yeah. as far as things like this that go on, I spin out about other things, but um, yeah, so I just just decided yesterday I wasn't going to do it, and mm-hmm. I and I feel 
better. Yeah. Because nothing's changed. I mean, and I mean, you'll get the information that you need. Like, yep. don't worry. Like, Somebody will tell me something and I've I'll been look it practicing up. limited media for years and I still get the information I need. Yeah. So, yeah, that is one of our biggest go to's with the people we work with right now is really being mindful of that and just noticing what you're taking in and how that's impacting you and putting some limits on it. It is okay to limit your your content you know i do i do have to mention that i am severely severely bummed they're not zombies i know right i know i wish or maybe that's coming maybe i mean at least zombies you had something you could have something to kill tangible (laughs) you know you could figure it out what to do you you know you're not just staring at the empty streets that maybe just sparked a an interesting thought in my head, because obviously I know Joshua and he knows me. For those of you that don't, I would be your classically introverted individual. And he is your highly extroverted individual. If you know individual. Myers-Briggs, I'm a 30 on the <laughs> I don't know what mine is. You're probably a, you're probably a 20. <laughs> Actually, I'm a nice yeah. ambivert. I, I know how to behave socially, but it doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> um, but in terms of this sheltering at home, staying at home, locking down, this is going to have big ramifications in different ways for introverts and extroverts. We're all going to be really spun out. I My prediction is within two weeks. Like we don't really see this tide coming because we can't wrap our minds around it. But it's going to be hard. But for Joshua, anyway, my point on the extroversion was he seeks out social media and videos and things in a different manner because he's not getting his people fix in the way that he could out there in the world. So just know that, too, like our extroverted loved ones, friends and family, this is going to be really painful for them to not have the people and the the energy that comes from being in person. And those of us on the other side, the introverted, we'll get there, but it's going to take us longer. <laughs> you can already see it in California. Oh, my um, gosh. They've been on yeah. what lockdown a little longer than us. Oh, yeah. And they're sure. starting to, I mean, burst this of the seams. This is going to be a so. serious impact on everyone's mental health everybody's whether you have a diagnosed anxiety depression whatever or don't this is going to be difficult for each and every one of us we are social creatures and we cannot we cannot interact in that manner right now that's a great point um to switch gears a little bit as as I forgot to put in my intro, and maybe I can go back and do it. Um, as this is just the test round, is the 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 point, the purpose, the the love of having conversations that I have, and 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 listening to people talk and and having conversations is is their journey. What do they like to do? Where where do they come from? How do they? get to where they are what what makes them passionate what makes them tick what makes them vulnerable what what makes them persevere through through um, hard times that's the reason this this podcast has come up is that I enjoy listening and talking to people about different things going down different rabbit holes and so with that said we're gonna I'm gonna journey down um, some discussions with Jill about who she is why she does the things that she does oh gosh um and really 
can I we're tap gonna out? listen to no you can't <laughs> tap out you're my only you're the only one I can be around right now and I want to get this thing kicking right so a, another side note is that I've hired my 13 year old to to be my producer for the show who and better so, to know technology who's better to, he's gonna figure out how to take <laughs> this from the recorder which I hope is recording I see it recording um, put it in the thing and then help me put it into the air so hopefully sooner rather than later we'll get that thing but anyway so with that said let's let's dive into um some some journey discussions on on us and jill and and tell us a little bit about side people i know she's 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 such a good trooper for doing this with me today so jill tell us a little bit about um professionally what it is that you do um and then let's talk about like how you how you decided that that's what you wanted to do and and go. So just just, just talk. take it away, Joe. Just take it away. I will say quick diversion. When Josh was explaining the iron and soul purpose of this, and like he loves the stories of people and the journeys, I offered up several taglines, and he did not take me up on any of them, such as you know, journeys of the soul with Josh Reese. <laughs> I'm just sticking with the just sticking with the just the so throw that out there. I but think the you tag need a tagline. But the tagline is forging perseverance through strength and vulnerability. That's the and journeys of the soul and, and not journeys of <laughs> oh, okay. the soul. Okay. It's uh, <laughs> we don't want to pigeonhole Jesus, wherever we have Jill. conversations. Jill, we're just having conversations. Okay. So let's stay on track. Stay on track, bro. Y'all are so lucky. This is a moment in our like world we don't this is not the professional lens nope it is not so um what do i do okay so i'm a clinical therapist which is what joshua said at the beginning been in this a really long time feels like a long time i feel like i am now reaching the point where i'm um older (laughs) than i ever was obviously and that looks different clinically it's a nice mature spot but one filled with continuous growth because I think we have to shift in the world of mental health. May I not be someone 10 years from now who is still doing the same thing if it's not working clinically. Um, So I got into this world because I've always known I wanted to do therapy, even since I was a middle schooler, a junior high kid. Back in the day, I just find the mind incredibly fascinating. I think it is amazing. Was there anything at that time that sparked that interest? Were you well? Like- the original the original path was to be um, in the forensics world because I like serial killers. What, I don't like them anymore. What? But what? What was that? Did you see a movie? Did you read a book at that time? Oh, you want that me to like- talk about Adam? Yeah, sure. I mean, this is the journey. Like, why well, yeah, why, is the, why do you exist the way that you exist, right? Yeah. When I was a very young girl, and I'm horrible with dates, so I don't really remember when it was, but when um, Adam Walsh happened, and then it would have been after the fact when the miniseries or movie in the 80s was made, um, my parents wouldn't let me watch it. Uh, with good reason because I was a little kid (laughs) I watched it I am a little older though Uh, but I was really fascinated because I don't recall ever understanding a child could get taken until until that kind of moment and my little child brain was wrapping trying to wrap around that so I snuck down and sat on our stairs where I couldn't see the tv but I could hear 
everything. And I and my parents didn't know I was there, obviously. But I remember that moment crouching on the stairs, listening to this and just trying to take it all in. But that kind of parlayed into a real fascination around how could someone do that? How hurt another individual, you know, Mm. like not moving from like the child murder and kidnapping, just in general, this idea that our brains are infinitely amazing. Um, And I am of the belief that we all have shades of gray, and we are all capable of doing things perhaps we don't want to think we are in the daylight in the apocalypse <laughs> we may be think hoarding um, toilet paper i the benefit of being an introvert and a scorpio is i like to brood on things so i'm well aware of the things that i perhaps could do should i want to do that but that's another episode she, she, do, she does have a, a devilish side <laughs> yeah and anyway Um, So the mind is super amazing to me, like, wow, we're capable of so much. So that started a love affair with serial killers and just really wanting to be able to study them. Ultimately, I wanted to work for the FBI and do profiling. Um, But as I got older and I had the privilege of doing an internship at a local penitentiary. When I first met Jill, doing the penitentiary This was in my undergraduate year. Holy fuck. Um, I realized I don't want, I personally don't want to work in that environment. I don't want to work just with the energy that it would take for me to exist in that world is not, not the route I wanted to go. So I got my degree in psychology. I got my degree in criminal justice. Um, I met the love of my life over there. In the process, oh yeah, you. Oh, me. I know oh. I'm the first wife. Oh right, but, right. Um, in the process of all that, and you know, life happened, and at some point, I went back and got my graduate degree in social work and clinical social work, and started down the therapy track. And because I know, like, that's just what I've wanted to do: having a private practice, doing therapy. That's always been the dream, and I had some really great opportunities along the way to give me the training that has allowed me to have. The private practice, currently Reese Counseling and Consulting, but there's more coming with that. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> You're just listening to um, the, And so the I love sitting with people. I love therapy. I've had the opportunity to be supervisor and leader and other management and administrative roles, and I don't like it. I like to sit with people and traditional therapy and be with them and hear them and figure it out and support them. I like clinical work. You say that you like it and to, our, to the, to, to, to the zero people listening right now <laughs> and maybe zero when we produce this, who knows, what is it about that you, what is it that you like about it? What is it? Because, because we hear terrible, terrible things. People go through terrible (laughs) stuff and they tell us about it. So why do we like sitting there with them? That is a great question. He's going to make me think. Um, Actually, it's an easy answer for me. I think that the perseverance and the hope that people have is astounding. So yes, we hear horrible things. We see the depths of humanity and the pain that individuals inflict on each other and the shit that happens to people in this world that is not okay, we take it in and we're supposed to be, you know, not an emotional with it, but professional with it. And that's difficult at some points. But underneath all of that, if you're sitting across from me in my office, 
you are hoping it can be different and you are willing to put in the work. And I just, you're going to make me cry. Oh, baby, don't cry. <laughs> We're on air. I know. Damn it. Damn it. I just it's okay to be it's vulnerable. A, it's a beautiful thing for people to show up despite what they've been through to show up and try to. I can't reach the Kleenex. <laughs> I have to move my she's microphone. So, she's so stiff when it's sitting there in front of the microphone um, like she can't Jesus, move it or do anything. fucking microphone in my face. Um, the, the humanity of us all, for better or worse, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever, it's just, it's phenomenal to sit with people and to be witness to that and offer, hopefully offer, an opportunity for them to grow the life that they want, that they envision for themselves. All right. So I had a conversation with a new colleague of mine who I, who I dearly look up to, and we were having the discussion about suffering. Um, and my philosophy is everybody suffers. Me right? too. And that everybody has some type of suffering in their life and, or have gone through it or to be human is to suffer. However, we define it. Now her perspective is, we shouldn't have to suffer. My perspective? Or no, your my new colleague, oh. Jean, who I love dearly and hopefully we'll have on, I'll have on the show at some point when we get, when we get ungrounded from traveling. Um, but her perspective, and I didn't get real deep with her on it because we weren't in that, we weren't in a spot to do it, but she doesn't believe that we should be suffering. She, she, I don't, I don't know if her opposite is happy. And is that we should all just be happy and that there's no reason for us to suffer or if it's just her and I are just having a language barrier right. in our definition of what suffering is. But tell me, I mean, I think we all suffer and I think for being human, it's and, and suffering is an, is an interesting word to, to, to delve into is that is that suffering to me is that this is this idea of pain and that we have these things that we go through that are super painful and to exist as a human being on the planet is painful, not only emotionally, but physically like there's this, like we stub our toes. We, and sometimes we stub our toes so much that we cry, Mm -hmm. right? Is, is pain suffering. I mean, we could get into the, to, to the, idea of are those the same things or they're not okay Ooh. <laughs> well let's well, okay what's the difference no I mean I think and it's just obviously opinion because I am just myself if you my theoretical training and my philosophy on life would say pain suffering misery are in existence but they are different I think to be human, we will have pain and that can be emotional and physical and anything in between we give ourselves suffering or we add suffering and therefore we are miserable through certain channels of thought and or action. So I think you can be a human and you can have pain, but you can find a way to exist with that. When we're adding our suffering and we're compounding our misery, that's a whole different ball game that you have to learn different skills for he's shaking his head at you're me. not he telling says, no. me anything about the, what the difference is between pain and suffering you've you told suffering me what pain is the misery suffering but what's is misery the stories we add to it the so, beliefs that we might bring to it or the i'm not capable of changing this it's never going to be different our internal thoughts so so let's go down the road of so to help people understand your philosophy on this right okay let's use the stubbing the toe 
example. So I stub my toe okay. and I'm in pain. At what point of stubbing my toe turns from pain to misery and suffering? What is what is what is that, right? Well, I mean, just on the cuff, if you stub your toe, it hurts. We have a physical reaction to pain, blah, blah, blah. The misery and the suffering is the screaming and the wailing that goes on for six hours. It's never going to get better. I'm never going to walk again. I can't believe this. My whole life is over kind of thing. Would it be like I'm never walking next to that coffee table again because the universe is against sure. me. And Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's suffering to you. So, so if, so do all humans suffer? I then- would say... I would say, yes, there is suffering to be human in addition to having pain. What we do with our suffering is choice. How we approach things is choice. How we navigate that is choice. And we don't always know how to part with our suffering until we learn how to part with our suffering. So, I mean, you know, like, so people don't learn that growing up. We don't understand the differences or the nuances or we don't get the coping skills we need or the families that we need. And so we just continue to suffer. And shit happens. People live awful lives. People live awful lives. But even people who we look at something and we think, oh, they haven't made because they have money or they look like this or what have you. I still believe those individuals suffer in some respect Unless they've done some work. So we could, we could go down like work on self. Right. So the idea like being human, right. We're all the same on some level. Right. So whether, whether we're the richest person in the world or or the poorest person in the world, the the fact that our heartbeats are, are beating makes us the same. How we cope with our environment around us is, is decides our level of, of suffering. It's part of the game. I mean, it's part of the equation. You know, there's opportunity and privilege and chance and all sorts of things in this world. I was born in Kansas to the family I was born in. I wasn't born in a third world country. You know, I didn't have losses that some other people have. But have I suffered? Absolutely. My suffering doesn't have to look the same as somebody else's in terms of event, experience, etc. I think that we just learn how we want to be in our life and we have an infinitely more control and choice over it than we want to think we do because we can change our thoughts we can change our actions we can change our being we can get to that place that we envision for ourselves through choice and working and learning and striving and finding it along this way so when you've been had suffering in your life what did you do what did you do to to help you get through that like what are what are your what are your things that help get you through your suffering um that is a great question I mean I've gone to therapy before so I think therapy is beneficial for most people I'm sorry I need to talk in the microphone I looked away um I've gone to therapy before I think that's helpful it's nice to have an outside perspective side note about therapy sometimes it takes more than one therapist to find someone who's a fit for you I think that it can be really discouraging for new clients or for people in general to feel like therapy is not effective because they didn't fit with somebody or it wasn't the right style. Try again. Try again. Like it's really important, I think, because we need that third party or that unbiased perspective or someone who will call us on our shit 
that type of thing. Um, for me, I think, I think I have some resiliency factors and I don't know where I picked them up or how I got them. And it's really a part of like my own intriguing professional and personal thought kind of exploration too, is this idea of optimism versus pessimism. I have a client who so eloquently told me one day, you're a fucking optimist, (laughs) which is spot on. Like I automatically come from that perspective. I just do. So when I have had suffering and it will bring me down and it will hurt and it will be hard to get out of bed and what have you, there is still a thought of, and this will pass and I can do this and I am okay, and tomorrow will be better, and let me wash my hair, <laughs> or let me put some clothes on that make me feel better. I mean, I you know, if let- you walked around naked. That's just me. <laughs> let me walk my dogs. Like, I still do the things that may be hard to help me find my way. And some days are really hard. I mean, just a few weeks ago was a really difficult few days in my head. We call it like, I'm internal or I go dark or I just kind of get stuck in some stuff in my head. But there is a layer of optimism that kind of buoys me back up because that's just who I am. But I do think you can learn optimism if you're not an optimist. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, and this is no bullshit and this not just because you're my wife, but you're totally an optimist. Like <laughs> even though you do get in your head, we do have conversations about how, yeah, you're going to work through, I'm going to work through this and I'm going to figure it out. And mm-hmm. you still like the thing you do very effectively as well is you can also compartmentalize that at some point. So you're still, you may be struggling with that piece. Mm-hmm you know, of, right. of whatever that is, but yet still be super happy in other parts of your life or, or whatever. Like you don't like that, that, that thing you're struggling with doesn't cloud everything that you're right. doing. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think in speaking to that part of what has helped me along the way, whether I knew it was a gratitude practice or not, I try to, and have been able to really acknowledge and understand that I have a good life and I have a lot to be grateful for and thankful for. And I've worked hard. Things didn't just come to me. And, you know, like I said, I've struggled and suffered and there's work to be done through that. But I'm also really appreciative of the things in my life. And I think we know so much about gratitude that it's worth understanding and practicing and having because it helps cushion us in the darker times. Yeah. um, Gratitude is amazing in the sense of how um, it can actually work for people. And it it works for me. Um, I don't know when in all of this podcasting stuff that I'll go down my, my rabbit hole of my journey, but there's a a piece of this um, gratefulness is that um, I'm in, I've been in recovery. Oh shit. Uh, 20 years? It'll be 20 years in June, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and every day, whether it's a conscious, um, like I say it, like kind of just there, or if it's just something that's unconscious, I, I, it's hard to describe in my brain. I wake up every day grateful to be alive because mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be dead, right? As mm-hmm. a as somebody that's a drug addict and in recovery, you're, our, our chances of living are, are pretty not good, right? So... Mm-hmm. Um, I wake up every day grateful to be alive and then I move forward and with the rest of the day and whatever. Um, 
I had this, and I'm an optimist as well, and I am, and I'm always grateful for the opportunities that I that that come my way and the successes that have come my way, and even um, more so lately, like some of the the struggles that I've had mm-hmm. in the past couple of years of just different things, I've learned to um, what's 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 how can I be grateful for that experience, that learning yeah. thing? So, but that goes down. There's this fucking person in my life that. Um, that I really looked up to, uh, oh man, I don't know, five, six years ago. And I'm always one of those people that was, when I was at work walking down the halls and just waving and saying hi to everybody. Everybody's, how's your day? And I'm like, it's fucking fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm having a good day. Because really, if you're, if you're as, as my friend Charlie Kuzmal would say, if I'm right side of the dirt, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good, <laughs> right? And um, the only guy that I know that can pull off a mullet, by the way, Um Anyways, Maybe uh, you need to have him on someday. I need to have him on. That would be a good one to have. Um, cause we could go down all kinds of rabbit holes. Um, so anyways, I was walking and this, and she was a COO, which was, which is interesting. Um, and I, and I looked up to her and she was a mentor of mine for a long time before she retired. Um, but I was like, Hey, you know, hope you're having a great day or it's a fantastic day. And she's like, it's Monday. Why are you so fucking happy? <laughs> And I was like, Jesus, Jesus, man, and, you lighten know, she up, usually, Francis. Yeah, no kidding. And she's usually that way. But I, but I was really like, her name's not Francis. Her name's it's a movie not. line, by the way. You'll have to go research it out, people. Um, you don't need to keep leaning in. To Why not? You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna blow their eardrums out there, Francis. Um, Calmer than you so, are. So <laughs> that that has never left my my mind since that since that day that mm-hmm. she said that to me. Cause I'm like, what the fuck? Why can't I be an optimist? Like why oh, yeah. can't Monday be Monday's a good day a for me? Day. Right? Like what the fuck? Will you ever have the case of the fuck the Mondays? <laughs> nah, man. <I'm laughs> you we get your ass kicked you for saying something like that. <laughs> come in on Saturday. Um, that's office space. For, if anybody <laughs> wants to go see, watch that movie. Hilarious. Um, that's a great pers- idea though, or thought around this idea of perspectives because you can choose how you look at something. And I think it's important to look at something as not the Monday thing, but just like there is opportunity to learn from every fucking thing you go through. No matter how awful it is, what can I learn? What can I take away? How do I grow? How do I change? And I haven't always been able to see that in the moment. Sometimes it takes years to understand oh, I get that that happened because now I'm here and I learned this and it pivoted my course. But perspective, I think, matters more than anything almost. Oh, yeah. Which is that internal like thought. You get a choice on how you view something and what you do with it. And we get to sit back, right? And if we have self-awareness and we have that ability to have perspective, we can look back and look at the things that have over our lives pivoted us and look mm-hmm. at the perspective and even continue to learn from things that happened to you 20 mm-hmm. years ago to right. say, Oh, that's what happened. Right. Oh, that's what, what I did. One of the things that I'm, I've been um, contemplating on, you said something to me, I don't know. I don't know a few months ago, a few weeks ago, it, it's all bleeding together at this point Damn that um, there are things happening to us that we don't even know yet. Right. Like the, the, the Positioning course, us for, right. Yeah. And I've been really, um, really diving into that mentally. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, there are things that are happening right now outside of this room 
right? Right. That are going to impact me. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know it yet, man. That is fucking insane yeah. when you think about something like that, right? It like, really is. And it's kind of that idea of, I try to implement this in my own being. You are exactly where you need to be right now. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you stop trying or you're working to change or continue to move forward. But you are exactly where you need to be. We just don't always get to know why we're there. Yeah, <laughs> We're exactly where to be and it sucks. And it does suck. And it's suck, fucking awful. And it's fucking terrible. <laughs> and sometimes we sit with people that that's terrible. And we, and we don't say to our clients things like that as directly as we're saying it into the microphone right now. I but do. You do. <laughs> I will tell people, maybe you're exactly where you need to be. Yeah, but you don't do it like you're, maybe you're fucking okay, I'm exactly, not an asshole. Right, you're not an asshole about it. <laughs> and I'm the we asshole. Try to, <laughs> we try yes, to get there's them. there's movie lines laced all through this. Yes, and I think it will be each time we come on, you come on or whatever. We should or make innuendos. a quiz, Joshua. I'm not, I'm going to behave. I'm not going to be inappropriate in that way. On the first podcast, we should make a quiz where how many movie lines did we reference and can you point them out? Yes. Because I have maybe then you get to come on the podcast if you get them all right. Oh, yeah. And I have a feeling that you're going to be my only guest (laughs) for a few weeks until I can. Journeys with Josh and Jill. Journeys with Josh. Oh, oh, we could do our own podcast of Journeys Mm -hmm. with Josh and Jill. Ooh, interesting. I don't know. If we, we, <laughs> Wait, that's not a therapeutic podcast. <laughs> we'd have to do that differently. And then we'd have to not just give it to the people know, that we you know. I can't release it. <laughs> it'll, it'll only be for us to listen to. <laughs> Thank God we crack ourselves up. Yeah, that's, that's true. We do crack ourselves up. It's been a good good 20-something years. Um, anyways, we, we, we try to help people um, with that idea of they're exactly where they need to be. Now... It's hard when you're going through a lot of shit to mm-hmm. to to sit yeah. with that, but you know. Well, and that's why I've said for many years in my career, I'm not the therapist for everybody because I'm not. Because I will say things like that that are difficult to sit, to hear for people. I said something the other day in session, and she said, "Well, why don't you just say it like it is?" Because <laughs> it was so blunt <laughs> and so direct. <laughs> But sometimes I don't know any other way. And you come to therapy to work. You come to therapy to change. It's my job to help you in a compassionate and therapeutic manner. But that's not the fit for everybody. (laughs) This is going to go out to the world. And guess what? I'm my own fucking boss. So I don't care. Sometimes being soft is bullshit. Right? Like in this idea, like I get being vulnerable and all that stuff. But like. Participation trophies? Yeah, no fucking participation <laughs> yeah. trophies, man. This, this We can't always be soft. We've got to tell people. We've got to be able to call them on... For I mean, we say it right now, like call them on their shit, but it's not their shit. We got to call them on what they can change, what they can change, what they can control, right. how they can do it different. What is choice? Right. And we need to be able to do that with our friends and our families and our kids and all of that stuff and, and ourselves. Oh, yeah. How many times do we fucking fool ourselves about something or rationalize something and we sit there and go, um, that's that's bullshit, right? The mind like, is amazing. Is, we go back to that. We will rationalize and dot mind, mind dot, dot amazing. amazing. <laughs> See if you can get that out yeah. there in the world, but that will be At changing soon. <laughs> the, the dot mind dot amazing. <laughs> At, I don't know how to say it. 
whatever. Um, now you made me forget what I was going to say. That's all right. Damn so, it. okay. So we went down the, the idea of like how you like sitting with people. Oh, sure. Um, what, what else? Like, that's just, that's your professional shit. Like what, it, what is it that of who you are and your journey as a person? Like, what is it that, um, makes you tick and, and, and give you the optimism, right? Like, we, you're an optimist, right? You've said, "Oh, I'm an optimist." So what? What do you do? What's what do you love? What do you? What's your journey? The fuck, man. What the fuck? Well, I think the journey is ever moving. It's there's no end. It's not finite. It doesn't. We don't reach the mountaintop. That's my belief. May we forever learn and grow. Um, Unless you've reached the mountaintop. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't made the I have. summit. I know you're awesome. Um. I really like just people in general. I think they're fascinating. So what makes me tick? I like and I like my family, obviously, that's baseline. I feel super lucky to have the family I have. I hope we all make it out of the pandemic though. Like uh, I mean the, We got you know, five of us in a house, people. Are, and a few dogs. It's gonna be tough. Um, but I really enjoy I really think I enjoy life as glib and or cliche as that may sound I love to be outside I like to walk my dogs I like to talk to people I like to read I just think it's an amazing opportunity to be a human being and there's so much to learn I think it was a summer ago god I don't I think it was a summer ago we were sitting outside a restaurant um you and I we had a day off or something maybe early June last year and you started up a conversation with the people at the table next to us and I noticed feeling irritated (laughs) I was like we're here you and I Josh and I are here to have dinner ourselves why is he talking to these other people but that moment was really profound for me because I kind of was like what the fuck Joe (laughs) if you slow down and you listen we have the opportunity to interact with people every single day Okay, social distancing looks distant, different now, but in uh, physical, distancing. physical distancing. Thanks, Chuck Ingolia from the National um, Council for Behavioral Health. But like anyway, that. it's this idea of stopping to be open, to be open to the experiences you're having because this is the moment you're having, which is mindfulness, and that's a whole different thing. So really, that takes me back to our, our favorite. I won't tell you who quoted it. That's another movie line, If You Are Available. That is one of our favorites, isn't it? And this idea, like watching that documentary and really being with that shifted and recalibrated for me, like if you are available, the world is incredible. That doesn't mean it's happy. That's not all rainbows and unicorns. I'll play the unicorn though. Um, But but, Yes, please. (laughs) uh, It's just... Like settle in and open up, lean in, be available for what's happening in your moment because it is just an infinite amount of curiosity, of experience, of emotion, of life out there. Agreed. Yeah, I, I really like that. Um, if you are available, I've been, you've really taken that and really run with it um, more so than I have. Um, and I really have been... I, I go, it comes and goes like a, like a, a, a way for me, but that like staying curious about things, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and just being curious. And one time we were on this, um, really long walk or I don't know, it was really long. It's 
three miles, <laughs> but it feels long sometimes with all the hills. And um, you're just like, let's be, you need to be curious about that. What's, what's that? Be excited about what, what that could be look like. What the, could that mm-hmm. look like? And I, and I try to do that. Like, just be excited about what things could look I like. I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what's going to happen. I have and to have a really tough conversation. I wonder what this is going to go I like. what this is going to go like. And when, what's fucking amazing about that is that it actually goes the way you want it to go if you, mm-hmm. if you take that. Um, that lead with it, right? Yeah. Like if you take that and be assertive with that lead and go, oh, I wonder what this is going to be like. And you put a smile on your face and you walk into that and you throw down your fucking perspective. Res- you re- throw down your resignation and you're like, <laughs> that's what that's going to fucking look like. <laughs> I'm going to be my own bosses, bitches. Bitches. And then, you know, you move on to the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm grateful for that experience and, and I'm grateful the fact that I was able to also be curious and excited and take, yeah, and take charge of that of our of the existence, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I think as a on the clinical side, you know, we see people who have been through so much that wasn't their choice that that others inflicted upon them, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's hard to understand sometimes that we actually can do different now, though. You know, we all have the capability of choice, changing perspective. How can I be curious about this? What is that going to look like? I wonder what's going to happen today. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, people really love that in our world about being curious. Mm-hmm. I've noticed um, people being like, oh, I, yeah, I'm going to be curious about that. I wonder, what, what, this that, yeah. wonder what this is going to look I wonder. Like. It's an and, amazing like thing to tag in front of something. And they come back and they go, and they actually... We're curious and did something it different. It changes your expectations too, because maybe you don't have as many. Right. You know, when we layer on expectations about something, it often doesn't go that way. So then we're disappointed, we're angry, we're sad. Da, 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 da. If I do X, this is going right. to happen or not happen, right? But if I'm curious about X, then I'm the outcome curious. is just I wonder. I'm open. Is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And you're curious about that that outcome. Yeah. Yep. yep. So, okay. If All you right. are available. If you are available. So with that, with you being available, um, what else, like, tell, tell us a little bit about, oh, I've got a little pause here cause I'm thinking, tell us a little bit about your shift from working for the man or hmm. a person to shifting to really being curious and doing and going on your own and being an entrepreneur and starting your own um, private practice, which is highly successful people. It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing to watch on this end. Um, wh- when did that shift for you and why was that shift in that journey? Just talk about that a little bit. The shift and the change. So referencing something I said earlier about kind of know thyself, uh, the dark spots in all of us, one of them is that um, I don't always play well with others. (laughs) And that and I know this about myself in terms of systems or organizations, I don't like to be told what to do. And I don't like to have a lot of rules in place because I am a hard worker. I am intelligent. I show up. I do my job. I give it 100% and more. And so I just really got to a point in my other career of working for people and for organizations 
um, and realizing that I don't need to do that. I am capable enough and I know myself well enough that I will actually thrive being my own boss, if you will, being an entrepreneur. The private practice has been my dream since I was in middle school. Like that's just always this kind of like, I don't know what you want. What is it? Like the lighthouse, this, the vision out there. Like I knew that was where I was going. So was what? it the lighthouse or was it the boat that the lights, like if we, if we go into like metaphors, right? And off what metaphors? I know I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, de- I'm pretty decent at metaphors. So is the lighthouse, the private practice or is the ship that's coming in and the lighthouses is, is on the ship, the private practice, or I like to use, um, the chessboard example in my brain, right? Okay. What I'm using people is that the chessboard's your brain and the pieces in the chessboards are different thoughts or different things in there and they can move and the chessboard is infinite, right? And so the chessboard pieces can fall all the way back where you can't see them and they go into the infinite or they move forward and they're in the front of your brain. Okay. So has the, has the piece or the, um, ha- always been there? So like you said, you've always wanted to be an, a private practitioner, but where did you ever lose sight of the piece or I feel like this is a trick question. No, it's not okay. a trick. It's just, um, it's just, how did that, how did it keep coming? I'm, and how did you stay connected with that, that dream? Sure. I'm thinking through some of that. Cause I think, and I know not everybody has the experience that I had, but there has always been a knowing or an intuition, whatever you want to call it. I like knowing that this was the thing I was going to do. I, I can't tell you why that's been there. I know the roots of it, you know, like we talked about earlier, but I've always known therapy, private practice. It's the thing that I would excel in because probably because I know some of my natural gifts, like listening, just kind of go hand in hand. Um, so the knowing has always been there. The details have maybe looked different. You know, I thought maybe I'd be in forensics. I thought maybe I'd work in a prison. Maybe I'd work with the FBI. You know, the details have shifted um, along the way. But the ultimate goal of private practice has always been the ultimate goal. And so to be here now, you know, what, maybe two years ago, three years ago, the idea that I didn't have to work for someone else really crystallized. And there was a lot of things at that organization that helped me make my decision to leave that organization (laughs) um, and kind of launch forward. But I think in terms of our relationship, you didn't always believe in my ability to do this the way I believed in my ability to do this. Yeah, to but be, I've always believed to, in my ability to be vulnerable to, with the with to the to the zero listeners out there <laughs> is that there was a there was a conversation Jill and I were having one day driving to to an event and she was telling me um, what she wanted to do or I don't I don't know exactly like how that and I I made an asshole remark and said <laughs> I don't think you have the you said I couldn't network enough to build it. Network uh, enough pra- to build it. Paraphrasing, like. Yeah, something like that. And to fast forward to a couple months ago, I was re- retelling that story to a, a bunch of um, colleagues in a, in a program that I was in um, about how I was a hope stealer at that point. And I remember in that moment, like, 
maybe not necessarily that moment, but but later down the down the road, feeling a lot of shame that I said that because that that was you can't say things like that. I mean, you can, but like. <laughs> Why would I say something like that? Like, why would I? Well, and the interesting thing about that is it didn't, it hurt in the moment, but it didn't stick with me. It stuck with you because I think you said it and realized, oh, what's wrong with me? Uh, Or why would I do that? It didn't stick with me because I didn't believe it. Right. (laughs) Because I knew. But I'm your partner, man. I'm not supposed to say shit like that, right? I had the knowing in me, though, like, so there's that. Is it the lighthouse? I don't fucking know. But I had the knowing in me that this is... This is the thing. Will this be the thing I always do? Private practice? I hope so. As long as I want to keep doing it, I hope I have the opportunity to continue to help people because I think I'm decently skilled at what I do. Um. <laughs> You're skilled at a lot of fucking things, right? Like in within this realm. I mean, I, just... Yeah. I cannot imagine myself going back to an agency or an organization because I know myself well enough and I now have the opportunity to live that truth as well and it's really freeing like so the conversation I think part of where you were going to is like we had a different conversation maybe a year ago around Josh and I are not in the box people I know you can't see us out there in podcast land um, but we don't even visually look like in the box people Um, and so And that's okay. And I think we really realize together and individually, like we don't have to fit the box anymore. And there's nothing wrong with the box. Like the box fits really well for a lot of people, but there's a lot of us who don't and can't go into that configuration. And so we were able to give ourselves permission to do a different path. We don't have to work for somebody else. We don't have to show up and work eight to four. If I do my clinical hours, I do my clinical hours and it shouldn't bother anybody what I'm doing (laughs) Um, because I'm doing my fucking job. But, you know, so just the idea and the belief in self and the permission, I think, to do it different and to have curiosity about it. I mean, this hasn't been easy, this private practice. He sees me cuss up a storm about all sorts of snags regarding insurance and billing and cope. I mean, there's just a lot of work. Sure. But it's absolutely worth it. It's after it on that, on that stuff. I mean, I can't even, I am, I, I get after things differently, obviously, because we're different people, but to watch her, um, because I learned years ago not to try to fix it for, um, just get after those things, right? Like you're like, um, I'm going to call them, see what the fuck's going on. It's going to work out. I'm gonna out. It's a pain in your ass and you hate it. And I think I give you a little bit of like maybe a little fire sometimes like Mm -hmm. a little bick right there. But, uh, but she gets after it. What I have found interesting about going on and I haven't been on my, well, we've been on the, our own about the same amount of time, Mm -hmm. but differently, like you've been building, you've been building the private practice and doing the other gig at the same time. So when you jumped, you landed in, in your office where I jumped, landed in office, but just different is that I've struggled with, um, the box going to a, like, I don't fit in the box, but I've always worked with in the box. Cause you have a lot of strengths that benefit the box. That benefit the box. <laughs> and an now there's no leader. box. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't, sometimes I don't know what to do with my time. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I think about like, well, I'm doing all these really cool things, but a lot of my work, right. 
outside of the box is thinking and developing mm-hmm. and doing these things that could that are going to happen down the road but doing them right now it feels weird because there's no box in right. there right and i was talking to my boy drew who eventually i'll have on as well um who's one of my thought thought one of my best friends and one of my thought partners is that I have to create a little bit of a box for myself mm-hmm. when I you don't have a box. You different than I need. Yeah. So come into the office every day mm-hmm. on some level, even if I'm not doing shit, but I'm just sitting in the office as opposed to being at home. Yeah. You know. Well, you miss the people that come with the box. Fucking people, man. I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm I different know. With you're, the different, you're different with the people, man. <laughs> I need people. So yeah, that's been. Yeah. And you liked working yeah. in offices and organizations mm-hmm. and you were admired and brought on for your strengths which were then used uh, against we'll we'll, we're gonna stay hopeful <laughs> we're gonna stay and optimistic, positive yeah, optimistic yeah but no you have a lot of strengths yeah. where i was going with that is you can you have a lot to offer because you're an incredible leader with a strong voice and that benefits organizations and yeah. you were able oh, how it is right right and you were able to do that at certain places and to take the energy of the people that you were with. You don't have that now. It's right. just you. It's just different. And what I noticed a couple of weeks ago, or even, I guess it's been a couple of weeks. I've, I've missed my, what missed my gene. What day is it? My gene is that I got to, I get to influence people differently right. now. Right. You know, but you have to thing. do different too. Like, yeah. which is part of what you're learning. Yeah. We we're just talking about that this morning when we were working out is like, maybe this is your time to be where exactly where you need to be to internally do some of the work you need to do. Yeah. I, I, I agreed with you. Yeah. That was an interesting um, conversation is that sometimes even the people that ask the other people to do the thing we have to do ourselves. Like I, oh, I'm really sure. working right now to be like with this uncertainty of how my, my career looks Yeah, and I think that's a good point in that I think one of the things that maybe translates in my sessions with my clients is if I'm asking you to do something, it's because I've done it myself or I'm willing to do it too. So you're right. Like we have to continue to do the work and we do do the work. Yeah, and I get stuck on like this fucking podcast, man. I've been wanting to do a podcast how long ago did you buy all this microphone stuff? Oh my God. Right after I quit my job, right? Like I bought months it ago, so months finally. ago. Finally, episode one being recorded, but I've wanted to do one since, Forever. you know, and we're not, we, we could go down the idea of who one of my favorite people are in the whole world and has mm-hmm. the number one podcast and is, which is these, amazing by the way, because I sit with people from all walks of life and they all listen to that podcast. It's incredible. The it's influence in, that the podcast influence has. That has, and it has on, has had on my life. Oh yeah, in, for sure. And wanting to, I've always enjoyed talking to people and be, I'm, I get that from my dad, right? Mm-hmm. I get that from Jim in the sense that he loves the chit chat with the people, right? <laughs> like I love the chit chat and listening to people's stuff and I can go anywhere in town and there's probably somebody I'm going to run into mm-hmm. that I know and I'm going to have a conversation with or the barista at the, the, the Starbucks and Dylan's, which is the only coffee shop open right now. <laughs> I'm going to have conversations with them, yeah. right? So I've always wanted to do it. And then my friend, Jeremy, who has a podcast who invited me on, I fell in love with the, um, <coughs> the idea of having, doing the podcast and then I did one and then I was and now here you're doing your own doing my own right 
And so but, that's a part of your knowing. Right. Is I don't know what you mean by that. What does that mean? Uh, you've always known you wanted to do this. I uh, Yeah. And what I got, what, what, you know, when we talk in the leadership world about um, different types of leadership, there's this, there's this idea of being an adaptive leader or in, in within that and within leadership, there's technical work and then there's adaptive work. And so like, I'm really good at adaptive work, which is like going with the flow and thinking and thinking outside the box and technical work is like putting the stuff together, like the mm, Legos or, right. or fixing the computer or, or building the PowerPoint on the, on right. the power, on the PowerPoint right. thing. Um, the technical stuff got in the way of doing the podcast. Like right. I was really excited to do it. I really had a lot of fun buying the that equipment. That is very true for you. I had fun mm-hmm. buying the equipment and thinking about it. And then once I got it, I was like, holy fuck, now what? Right? Now I've got to figure out how to do it. Nobody's going to tell me how to do it. That's not true. I had lots of friends mm-hmm. that were we helping me and help. do that. Mm-hmm. But the, but eventually I have to just do the try thing. to do the thing, right? And figure it out, right? And there are things that I know that I don't, that I know that I don't know how to do and I don't want to do that. Like right. spend the time. Right. The energy on figuring that out. Figuring that out is I know that I don't want to do it. So that's why I hired a 13 year old to be my producer exactly. and figure it out. We're going to do it together. Yes. And it's not going to be perfect. And that's okay. It is okay. And that reminds me of the masterclass I was listening to in February. I'm doing a masterclass a month because I think they're cool. Um, she was referencing Hire someone for your weaknesses if you can. (laughs) You know, know the things that you're not good at. Know the things you don't like to do. And if you can, farm it out. Hire it out. And thank God we've got a talented 13-year-old that we don't have to pay as much to to help us with that. That's that's a great thing because we talk a lot about that in, in the trainings that we do is that there's this there's this old school idea that you're supposed to build on your weaknesses, right? And, right. And 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 put your put your strengths aside, and you're supposed to build on yeah. your weaknesses, which is fucking BS, right? right? Like nobody wants to do their weaknesses. Their weaknesses for a reason. A reason. The strengths are our strengths for a reason. So let's go with that. Let's go with the strengths, mm-hmm. and let's figure out. Sometimes we do have to do our weaknesses. Right. Sometimes we have to do that work, right? Sometimes right. we have to put the Legos together f- on Christmas. Like I like that's, the Legos. I know you do. I know you. <laughs> Not my favorite thing. I miss thing the Legos. Yeah. No, you don't. You miss building I the I miss thing, building them. But then you don't, you don't miss And those little buckets. fuckers would take them all down. Because that's the point. And you don't the like the point the, is to follow the directions. The, what happened to the ones that remember the days where you didn't have directions and you just had, you built whatever you, you wanted? You had to wing it. You said build whatever. Those eighties, man. 80s, it's a whole different era. Eighties, miss the eighties. <laughs> Anyways, um, we build on our strengths, and 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 sometimes we have to do our weaknesses, yeah. right? But we want to just continue to build our strengths. So I really like that idea of like farming it out and figuring it out. So right or hiring, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Here the fuck we are doing our first podcast finally. Finally, you know, in the apocalypse. And maybe you know. that was I was going to say too, like perspective and availability. Maybe all the pieces happen the way they happen because the pandemic was coming and it would give you the opportunity on March 26th to start your podcast. You know, I mean, you're exactly where you need to be. Exactly where I need to be. Right. Exactly where you need to be. All right. If I'm exactly where I need to be, then it's been a wonderful. um, I don't know how long we've gone. We've been. Doing, let me look at the recorder. It's 1215, 1211. We've done an hour decent, and 10 minutes. Pretty decent. good. Pretty good long podcast. I think we should um, wrap it up here since you 
since you said it so eloquently, we're we're here where we need to be, or whatever. Exactly. What, are, what would you say? I wasn't. I'm sorry. I wasn't. I'm sorry, listening. I wasn't listening. <laughs> say it's another it again, movie yeah. line. <laughs> say it again. You are exactly where you need to be. That's fucking right. Thanks for listening. This is the Iron and Soul podcast. Journeys for, with Josh and Jill, <laughs> or Journeys with Josh and Jill, forging perseverance through strength and vulnerability. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Bye. Thank you.